through 1 Peter is when life changes course. So I want to first uh, pull up this map, and um, I want to invite you to join me and Carla and my parents on our, our yearly trek from California to Michigan. Now, you say, well, Kirk, it only goes up to Chicago. Well, that's where Route 66 ended or began, really. It began in Chicago, went to L.A. We always did it in reverse. Um, and then we would go ahead and we'd end up, it doesn't work on a TV. You can't, you can't do a pointer on a TV. But we'd end up Michigan. How many know what Michigan is this? Yeah, okay. That's Mich Michigan. <laughs> yeah. That. No, that. Yeah, okay. And... Um, so Michigan's there, and we live somewhere in the back of the hand. I don't remember Detroit. where It's somewhere in there. But we get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. My mom would wake us up, and we would, we would already be packed. Of course, back then you put the luggage in those things on top of your car, and you'd see dozens of people you know, going up Route 66 like that, all the luggage in one of those overhead holders. My dad would be out there at the car, and, and he'd be filling up a, a burlap bag. And uh, the burlap bag, he'd fill it with water, and he'd hang it on the front of the car. Now, if you're really young, and, and, or, or you're even kind of young, you, you don't remember that, and you wonder, why in the world would you do that? Because we were about ready to embark on going through the Mojave Desert. And the Mojave Desert was hot. Even sometimes at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, it was hot. And so that's why we left at that time, to avoid going in the heat of the sun. But he'd always put the water bag on so that you have extra cooling as the air went through because they were the old-fashioned radiators. Some of you remember the old-fashioned radiators? First thing when I bought a 56 Ford when I was a kid, the first thing I had to have done was get the radiator cord and redone and put in the car because the radiator was shot. So we'd, we'd head out, and, and my mom then would have a... We didn't have air conditioning at the, in the beginning. Uh, no air conditioning in our house or in our car. And we would have this um, cooler that she would put a bunch of ice water in, and she would have wash rags, and wash rags, we used to call them. And the wash rags were for when we were in, in the car and it got really hot, she would dip them in the cold water and pass them back. And we'd be putting them on our face and everything in the head. And, and the funny thing about all of that is, is that, I'll come back to the story, but I didn't realize that there was a certain smell that always triggered vacation in my mind. And, and, and I just realized years later it was mildew. <laughs> Whenever I smelled mildew... I got memories of my vacation. Well, that was because we were stuck in the car all hot and sweaty and these wet wash rags going back and forth. And, but anyway, so we'd leave, and my dad, of course, had already done his due diligence, and he had gone to AAA. Everyone went to AAA, and he'd got the triptych. That was before GPS, and the triptych was this cool book that was compiled and it had little fold-out maps and stuff, but, it, but it, you flipped it, and it went from point to point, and you followed that. However, my dad never followed the triptych faithfully. And weird thing about my dad, too, is um, whenever, listen, whenever I take a trip, I'm sure whenever you take a trip, you make reservations 
First of all, you got to get your flight reservations ahead of time, right? And you make a reservation at a hotel because if you're going somewhere like Florida or somewhere like Hawaii and, and, and there's no hotel available, when you get there, you're stuck. Well, my dad never made a reservation. I don't know what in the world that was all about. But we'd get in the car and he'd go and we'd hit a certain city. Let's say we'd get to Flagstaff and, and, uh, and oh, there's Winona. That was my mom's name. I know. I, we always went through Winona. And he'd stop there and he'd check and there were no hotels. So we'd have to push through to Winona. And then we'd get to Winona and there were no hotels. So we'd have to push through to the next town, you know, on the way. And I never, on the way, we were pushing to get to Michigan in three days Less than three days, you know. And, and, and he never, ever, ever, he always said we could go swimming. We never, ever got to the hotel on time. It was always 10 or 11 o'clock when we got to the hotel that would finally take us and no pool Kirk. Well, that's the way the, the trip went there. Zoom, right, Carla? But on the way back, it was a different story. Now, on the way back, my dad, he gave himself an extra day or two sometimes. We got really wild and crazy, four days instead of three days. And, and he would have this habit of going off the triptych. And he would try little shortcuts along the way. And so we'd be driving, and, you know, we're, we're going to, we went, and, and we had fun. Let me tell you, I mean, we really... When I think back on it, I don't know if I thought it was that much fun when we did it, Carla, but, but we saw Mount Rushmore, we saw all these things, you know, Yellowstone, we saw the geysers, we saw all the, all the great sights, because he would come back a different way, and I remember going to um, uh, Wyoming, what was it, um, the city, uh, it was, I was so mesmerized as a kid, I want to say Jackson Hole, I don't know if that was it, but they had an annual event where it was an annual cowboy day, and people were walking up and down the street with six shooters on. I want to tell you, when you're seven years old, and you're wearing cowboy outfits with six shooters on that shoot plastic bullets, when you go somewhere like that, and you see the real deal, you're going, whoa. Well, but my dad, with his shortcuts, uh, the courses changed a lot. And, and we had to be prepared for that. My mom wasn't so, such a good traveler. Uh, she, she had this, she had a very, if you knew my mom, some of you did, she was very sweet, but her, her mood and her, her voice would escalate as she was freaking out. One time, uh, my dad, and, and I'm, not, I'm not making this up, but one time my dad took a shortcut. And the shortcut was going really good. He said, this is going to cut about two hours off our time. And, and he's driving along, and all of a sudden, the paved road turned into a gravel road. The gravel road turned into a narrow road, and the narrow road's on a cliff. And my mom is, ah! her voice is up there. And, 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 and Carla's probably, she always did this kind of stuff. She's looking out going, man, if we fall down there, we'll really be dead or something like that. She was she, she, she always had a word of encouragement back then. And, um, and so, we're, so my mom's freaking out, and so we had to change. Changing course in life is difficult. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. So did you enjoy that vacation? The cool thing was is that when we, I told you last Sunday, we got to get firecrackers and, 
M80s. Don't, I don't try this at home. But, but we used to go fishing with M80s. <laughs> okay, that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to be... <laughs> I don't, want, I don't want to be a bad example. Um, okay, so, so, so now, last week we talked about how 1 Peter is a letter from Peter, and he's addressing the Jewish believers that were scattered all over the region, and that's called the diaspora. And he began by encouraging them of the true meaning of life and their blessed hope of eternal life and their unfading inheritance. Now... He begins to, and we talked about discovering our destiny last week, but now he begins to reveal what our true calling and destiny is meant to be in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, your destiny is not just going to heaven. I love the songs, you are know, like, when we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll shout. And we played it last night, right? You played that last night, didn't you? It's a great song. But, 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 but our goal in life is not just to go to heaven. For some Christians, unfortunately, it is, but it shouldn't be for us. Our goal in life is so much more. And with understanding what our destiny is, there is a revelation that brings us both confidence and competence to navigate life's highways around every twist and turn. And I guarantee you, young or old, there's going to be twists and turns that are unexpected in your life. Can any of you who've lived more than 40 years say amen to that? Um, and, it, and even your young people can say amen to that too. So, so the question we come up is, what do you do when life changes course? What do you do? Well, in verses 13 to 14, we're going to see that, but the first thing you do is you keep your balance. You keep your balance. So let's look at verses 13 to 14 together. It says, so brace your minds for action. Again, I'm reading this for this study. I'm using the Tree of Life Bible, the Tree of Life Bible. So brace your minds for action. Keep your balance and set your hope completely on the grace that will be brought, that will be brought to you at the revelation of Yeshua the Messiah. Jesus the Christ. Like obedient children, do not be shaped by the cravings you had formerly in your ignorance. As we navigate life, we need to remain awake, alert, and focused. You know, with the dawn of, of cell phones, and all of you have them, I never, I never realized the, the, until I almost got in a wreck. Well, actually, I did get in a wreck in Nashville, Tennessee, on a business trip because I was using my cell phone as a GPS and my cell phone slipped. I had it down below and I was looking down below. It was raining and when I reached just to turn it right, just a split second, when I looked up, everybody was stopped. I hit my brakes and I slid into the, the guy behind me. None of us were hurt. Um, damaged the cars, you know, rental, lost some money on that. Um, but we can take our eyes off of the road just a split second. Now with cell phones, you see, you read about people um, unfortunately getting in accidents, many even killed because they're texting and driving. 
you can tell someone who's texting and driving. You ever notice that? They're either going too fast or too slow, but then you, 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 you just say, this, this guy looks kind of suspicious. Sometimes they're going like this, and you look down, and, and they're like this on the wheel. We have to keep focus. We have to keep a balance. In life, we can't get distracted, or we're going to veer off course. Grace, prayer, and a map are needed. Grace, prayer, and a map are needed. Before I get to the next point, listen to this scripture Jesus at the, the Garden of Gethsemane. He just asked his disciples to pray for one hour. Most of you have prayed for an hour before, I hope, and some of you for longer. Praying for an hour can be tough. I remember when I was working uh, in the House of Prayer Ministry, and I thought, hey, you know, I'm going to you know, just spend you know, an hour in prayer. And, and I, I tried it at home, and, and, I, and I got alone in my study, and, and I, I began to pray over our nation, and I began to pray over the church, and I started praying over everyone I could think of, and then I prayed over the nation again, and I, I prayed for world evangelism, and I prayed for world peace, and, and then I was done, and I looked at the clock, it moved five minutes. <laughs> it's hard to pray for an hour. And so I understand the disciples. Jesus said, will you watch and pray with me for an hour? And they said, sure, that sounds easy, Lord. And so they, they tried to do it, and, um, and they fell asleep. And so Jesus came and he said, watch and pray, lest you enter in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, if we're not seeking God constantly in life for grace and for prayer, and if we're not walking according to the word of God, which is our map, we won't keep our balance in life. We'll lose our balance and we'll veer off course and we'll end up on that skinny road like my dad. And uh, it, was, it was pretty scary. The second point is, is that we need to keep our eyes on our final destination. And the final destination for you and I is our true destiny, which we're going to unfold here a little bit. But I want to look at verses 15 to 16. It says, instead... Just like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in everything you do. For it is written, Kedoshim, which in the Hebrew is holy ones, you shall be, for I am Kadosh, holy. I, I love that when I read that in the, in the Tree of Life Bible. Because I've always read it in the English you shall be holy, for I am holy. And I, I mentioned this a couple Sundays back, that that always seemed like this, this uh, unrealistic expectation of God upon my life. I want to tell you this morning, I'm not holy. I'm set apart by God, but when I look at my life, you know, I'm not, I'm not blameless, and I'm not pure, I'm not spotless. And when I read that, you shall be holy, for I am holy, I thought to myself, my goodness, I fall short. And it's an overwhelming thought to think of how short I fall. And, and I've, I know that's God's call for my life, but, and I know that's my destiny to become like Him and to be holy, but when I heard it the way it was in the Tree of Life Bible, I'm just going to use the English, holy ones you shall be, for I am holy. I saw it in a completely different light. How many have watched Star Trek and Star Wars? 
How many know what a tractor beam is? Oh, I tell you, Captain, we're in the tractor beam, you know, and you're getting sucked in outside of your control. Well, God's grace is pulling us toward him. God's grace is transforming us to become like him. And I love that because that is really our destiny. To be holy is not a call to have this external transformation. Ladies, aren't you glad that to be holy is not to put your hair in a bun? And guys, just because you have your hair in a bun doesn't mean you're holy. <laughs> you couldn't say that 10 years ago, but you could say that today. Um, aren't you glad it doesn't mean that you have to wear a certain type of clothes or carry a certain type of Bible or only sing a certain type of song? Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It means to be transformed into God's original creative purpose. And, and I love that because it's a call to become like Christ. It's a call to become what we were meant to be from the very beginning of God's creation. Listen to a couple verses in Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Have you ever noticed that? Most of you have, that that's plural. It's not God to just say, let us make man in, I'm going to make man in my image. He said, let us make man in our image. Who is he talking to? The eternal Godhead, the Father, the Word in the Spirit, the Logos of God. Let us make man in our image. It says, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, when you put it like that, who wouldn't want to be restored to their own creative purpose? <laughs> Don't you want to be more like Jesus? When you look at his life and how he responded and how he loved and how he forgave and how he served and how he healed and how he had compassion and how he had an intimacy with the Father that no one else could understand, don't you want that in your life? Before the worship began, the worship team was singing that, I want more, more of your goodness, more. And that should be the cry and the hunger of our heart. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God's calling us to keep our eye on our final destination. And our final destination is to become like Jesus. Now that doesn't mean you don't be, you're, you're no longer Mitch or you're no longer Ben or Bella, you're no longer who you are, you're, you're not unique, and you don't have the, the giftings and the personality that you were born with. It means all of that. In fact, God is so multi-creative. Just take music, for instance, and Brother Eddie shared with us at our Men's Fellowship about how God uses music in the church and in the people of God, and it was so wonderful. But if you think of music, on the keyboard... You know, there's C through B, the minors and in, in, uh, the, and then the minor keys, or the sharp keys. Is it sharp? Right. Whatever, the black ones, black and white. 
ebony and ivory, living together in perfect harmony. But there's not that many keys. There's only, you know, really, they're repeated in octaves, right? In, 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 you've got this finite number of notes, and yet there is an infinite flow of music that never ends. Isn't that amazing? That you can take the same three chords, Eddie, G, A, and D on your guitar, and write an unending flow of music with those three chords. Just listen to country music. You got it. So God is so creative that even though you're becoming like Jesus, you are still also becoming like you. The best you. The real you. The holy you. The holy you that is complete and whole without without the brokenness in your life or the shame in your life that you struggled with. The holy you that has victory over sin. The holy you that loves and forgives. The holy you that wakes up with a joy knowing that you're forgiven and you're clean. Isn't it so much more joyful to be clean than it is to be dirty? And we're cleansed by the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three. Keep my heart open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to really navigate through the course changes of life, then we need to be listening to the leading of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't shout. He whispers with His still, small voice. If we're so busy in life and we're running around or, and we're, and we're stri- filled with strife and anger and, and we're, we have unforgiveness in our heart and, and, and we're just listening to all the voices of the world, we're going to miss the still, small voice of the Spirit because He doesn't come through the earthquake. He doesn't come through the wind. And He doesn't come through the fire. He comes when everything is quieted and your heart is directed toward Him. So look at the next few verses with me. Verses 18 and 19. I'm reading those before verse 17 on purpose. You know that you were redeemed from the futile way of life handed down from your ancestors, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood like that of a lamb without defect or spot, the blood of Messiah. Mitch said to our men last night, he said, if you're not filling your life with the Lord, that void will be filled with the things of this world. It just will. They'll rush in and find the gaps in our hearts and our lives. Now, verse 17. It says we're sojourners. Listen to this. If you call on Him as Father, the one who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, then live out the time of sojourning in reverent fear. What is a sojourner? It's someone who is passing through. (laughs) It's someone who doesn't belong where he or she is at, but is moving toward a final destination that isn't the place that they are in. That is a sojourner. You are to be sojourners in this life. You are to be sojourners in this world. 
And that means that the courses are going to change and, and, and things are going to change in your life and you need to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And that requires that you daily surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. To sojourn, to travel the highways of life in reverent fear is to daily surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to seek His voice, and to obediently follow His leading. Listen to a couple verses. Isaiah 30, 21. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, don't you want that voice in your life? How much pain could we have avoided in our lives if we would have heard that voice first? When I look over my life and I think of the pain that I've caused because I didn't listen, young people, listen to me on that. I'm going to say something that you probably won't like, young people, but, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's true. While you're living at home, even when you're out of your home, while you're still a single young person, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you through your parents. And that still small voice is going to come through your parents in a primary way. Now you can say, well, my parents don't know anything. Well, my parents didn't know anything either when I was your age. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I got a little bit older, and I realized, you know, they really did know something. And if I would have listened to them, we were listening to some Beatles music at home. I said, Alexa, play Beatles from the 60s. She started playing, and family was over, and the song came out, come together right now, over me. And I, I, I went, oh, I hate that song. And they said, you hate that song? You hate come together? I said, I hate come together. You know why I hate it? Because in ninth grade, I went to a party that I wasn't supposed to go. My parents told me to not go to that party. And I went anyway. I snuck out and went. And when I got to that party, they were doing drugs, and which I didn't do drugs. And people were going into rooms and closing the door. And I knew all of a sudden I just had this wave of remorse and guilt on my heart. And as I did, what did I hear? Come together right now over me. You know, <laughs> boom, 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 you know. I went. So whenever I hear that song now, I just realized if I would have listened to my parents, if I would have listened to my parents. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We're sojourners. Last point. Keep your faith anchored in Christ alone and always walk in his love and truth. In 1 Peter 1, 20 to 21, it says this, or 20 to 22. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, 
you are believers in God. Isn't that amazing that sometimes we think we're believers in God because we did something? No, it's because he did something. Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory. So what? So that your trust or your faith and hope are in God. Faith in anything else will disappoint you. Faith in faith will leave you dry and disappointed. Faith in a system, faith in a person, faith in an evangelist or a preacher, faith in you know just whatever it is. If it's not Christ alone, it's going to leave you empty. Our faith is to be in him alone. Love is the end of what our faith brings us to journey. I love this in 1 Timothy 1.5. It says, now the purpose of the commandment, another translation says, now the end of the commandment. So we're sojourners, and what are we getting to when we finally reach the final destination? The purpose or the end of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Doesn't that sound like being holy? Doesn't it sound like God fulfilling his creative purpose in our lives? 1 Peter 1, 23-25. You have been born again, Peter writes, not from perishable seed, but from imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all humanity is like grass, and all its glory like a wildflower. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was proclaimed as good news to you. So the last point he wants to make is that it's only the word of God that will abide. Walking according to his word in sincere love and in the power of the Holy Spirit in obedience is our highest calling. Over and over in life, you're going to be called to make choices. And you're going to be called to answer God's call in your life. And how you choose to answer that call is to determine where you get on that pathway. There are those who, who cut themselves short in that path. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians when he says you can build in your life with wood, hay, or stubble, or gold, silver, or precious stones. And one day, every man's work will be tried through fire. And that fire is the holiness of God. And what we've done and how we've responded to God's leading and how we've responded in obedience to Him is going to mean everything to whether the works of our lives are burned away even though we're saved or the works of our lives are purified and they become the blessing of God in our lives. So, I need to share with you um, my journey and what God has been doing in my life. And about a year ago, I had something that happened to me personally that had never happened to me before um, in all the years that I've been at this church. I remember the first Sunday that I came to preach, there was one and a half people. I always count you as a half, <laughs> Russ, because you came in right at the end. 
So I always say one and a half, but you're really a whole. But I always, I always just get a kick out of saying that. But in my heart, you're whole. Um, so there were two people. And we had a short worship team. I mean, we had a, a, two people from Waxahachie. We had Karen and Hannah and I. And I'll never forget up here worshiping the Lord. And, and we were singing um, a song that we haven't sung in a long, long time. And I can't even, so don't feel bad that you forgot the lyrics, Eddie, because I can't even remember what the song was. But we were singing the song, and I was just sitting there worshiping the Lord. And the Lord began to flood my heart with vision for this church and for this community. Well, that was really weird to me because there were only two people here, and it didn't look like such a great opportunity. In the days and years that followed, I always was able to gather vision from the Lord in my life. And over a year ago, that just stopped. And it became an agonizing battle for me in prayer. I said, Lord, why, why am I not seeing ahead? Why, why am I not hearing your voice? You know, what's going on? And, and I prayed and I prayed. When I got to the last page of, of the annual report last year, when I put it together and I had to write vision for the next year, I, I just sat there in my office and I, can I just be real honest with you? I just typed something because I didn't have anything. And, and I started to seek the Lord and I started to, talk to mentors, and I started to talk to the people that are in my life, and I started to really ask God, you know, what's going on? And there was this, this restlessness and this stirring in my heart, and um, it just really became apparent to me that the Lord was, and, and I'm going to ask you to, to listen to everything I have to say, because don't just, don't just jump off at one point, please. Um, it, it became apparent to me that that I was uh, ending my my role as a pastor, and I didn't know what that meant either. And Karen and I began to pray, and I talked with our district supervisor and. And all along the way, the Lord just began confirming that to us, that, that my role as a pastor was coming to an end. Not that he was, you know, asking me to leave the church to go pastor another church, but just that I had completed that call in my life and, and that he was calling us to something else. This has been one of the most difficult decisions for Karen and I in our lives. And the reason for that is that we really love you guys so much. Um, there's nothing about being the pastor of this church that I don't love. There's nothing about any of you that I don't love. Well, maybe a couple of you, but not most of you. <laughs> I wouldn't be me if I didn't say that. Um, but I really mean it. There's, there's no trouble. Um, the Lord has blessed us as a church 
financially, uh, facility-wise, leadership-wise, new leaders like Jeff and, and Peggy. And, and, and I've really enjoyed preaching. I mean, you know, it's, the, it's kind of like the passion of my heart every Sunday. I, I never have had a problem preparing for a Sunday because I, I just love to share the word with you so much. And so I said, Lord, what are you doing? And as I processed it through, and then on our personal life, I'm just going to really be honest with you, we've, we've been missing our daughter so terribly, so terribly. And to go through birthdays and holidays and special events without your daughter and not being able to see her or, or hug her or Christmas comes and she's not there and and so in my mind, I had like 67 or 68 as a time when I would pass a baton and, and God had a different uh, idea in mind. So I'm going to tell you how the story ends, but I also want to tell you that God has, uh, we've been working on this and, and I wanted to not just make an announcement like this to the congregation without a direction. I felt I couldn't lead this congregation without a vision. And, and I, I hope you understand that. It, it's just that it wouldn't be fair to you. But the Lord has seen fit and through our, our leadership and our church council and through our district supervisor that our beloved Pastor Terry and Tracy are going to be taking the role of being the senior pastoral couple here at the church. And, and, and I don't know of a man more faithful and who sincerely loves you without any agenda other than to serve you as these two, Terry and Tracy. We love you guys. I mean, we love you so much. These 15 years here have been the greatest years of our life. We want to take you all with us to Florida. I wish we could. We're going to have a room, and, and you can come and stay with us, not just all at once, okay? Um, but the Lord has also opened up a new ministry for us, and it's kind of unique when God is moving and doors open and things are confirmed, how when you're hearing that voice and you're obeying Him, even when it's difficult, because I want to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm thanking God for his grace right now because uh, it's been difficult. On a Wednesday night, Karen got in her car and just began to weep. She had to call Leona Bontrager and say, how do you do this? So I want you to know that this has not been without weeping and prayer. Um, but... I've been working, as you know, with Foursquare Mission Press and the Children's Gossip Box for years. Been supporting Foursquare Missions Press ever since the beginning of my tenure as pastor here. And I've been in conversation with them, and, and I said, hey, I'm moving to the southeast. Well, not right away. By the way, the transition's going to take two or three months. I'm not leaving this Sunday. <laughs> I forgot to say that. I'm, I'm just trying to get through this, and I'm not doing a very good job. Um, but I asked uh, 
would you have anybody you'd need in the southeast area? And they said, we've never had a representative in the southeast. Will you be our representative in the southeast district and all the eastern seaboard? And I said, it'd be an honor. It doesn't pay anything, but I said, it'd be an honor. <laughs> um, it's just what I feel God having us to do in this next season of our life. I feel he wants to, me to devote more time to writing, curriculum development, and working with missions. And, and so we will be working with Pastor Terry and Tracy and the church council and leadership in about a two to three month transition. Uh, I'll be preaching still and he'll be preaching. And, and, um, but he is, he is going to be your new pastor when he'll be installed officially and what our final date is, we don't know because we're just working through all of this. But what I shared with you is really true. I'm living it. And I hope you can hear my heart that you have to hear the voice of God and you have to obey it, no matter how difficult it is. And when he calls you to do tough things, he's always going to provide for you when you do answer that. And so, worship team, I'd like to ask you to come up and, and lead us as we close. And I, I just thank you for letting me ramble because I just, I just feel like the last part was just rambling. And I don't really know what more to say other than we do sincerely love you. And we, we are just so thankful to be a part of this family. And you're, not, you're ever, never, never going to lose me, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, and I mean this from my heart. Paul had a home base, and it was Antioch. And whenever Paul would finish a missionary journey, he initially was sent out from Antioch, and he would come back and report to Antioch, and he would always have Antioch as his home church. And I want to tell you, until the day I walk into glory, I'm only going to have one home church, and it's going to be the fellowship at Weatherford. Let's stand. Father, make me clean. Wash away these stains. I want my life to bring only glory to your name. I Fill my life again. 
Forces of life change. We want to hear your voice. This is the way, walk ye in it. That we will not turn to the left or to the right, but we'll stay on the course by holding on in faith in Christ alone. By listening to that still small voice of your Holy Spirit. And by following you in daily surrender and obedience, wherever you lead. For all of us, that, that course is going to look differently and it's going to be different. It's not going to lead away from one place to another. It may just be a change of course right where we stand. But whatever it is, Lord, you are calling us as your people to care more about hearing your voice than about anything else in our life. And to encourage each other to hear that voice, no matter what it means in our life. To be obedient, to be surrendered, to be restored. That is the call for each one of us today. So Lord, we need your grace. We need the cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. We need your mercy and your love. 
We need the Word of God that does not fade away. The flower fades and the grass withers, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And it's on Your Word, Lord, that we anchor our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, speak to each one in this room, not about Karen's in my direction, but about your direction for them. And guide them, Lord, and guide us as a church over these next months as you prepare Terry and Tracy and as you help us all to make this transition in obedience to your call and that this is not a bump, this is not anything but a new launch for this body and for our lives to greater things in the Lord for everyone here. For growth for this church and for our individual lives and for our families. Lord, You have destined all of these things for Your good purpose. And You are watching over them to complete them. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift His countenance upon you and grant you shalom, His peace. Go in the shalom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. We love you. God bless.